Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. You're about to listen to a Women in Tech Remix episode, where we present to you a curated selection of impactful clips from previous episodes that you may have missed. And be sure to follow the links in the show notes to listen to the full episodes. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I'm Asha J, CEO and founder of Incorporate, which is I-N-C-O-P-E-R-A-T-E dot com. And we're based in Santa Monica, California. So first of all, a couple of my early partners live in L.A., so that's an easy connection right there for what we're building out. Um, and I mean early partners as in, you know, organizations that are working on the kind of outcomes we're looking to align the brands with. And then in terms of um, nonprofits, I'm on an advisory board of a nonprofit soon. Um, I just was at the gala like last weekend in L.A. It's called Plastic Pollution Coalition. They work on Hollywood. Uh, they work on multiple initiatives, but the most recent project we launched through them was to revisit how much plastics, especially single use plastic, was being placed in Hollywood scripts. And that would explain why we think it's so um, accepted and normative to consume pla- anything in plastics, you know, that it's a disposable culture. And this, this whole idea of convenience is a deeply um, entrenched uh, narrative that we can't escape. Then come the venture capitalists that I know um, that are aligning with our effort, who have been the most candid advice I've got and the most helpful input in how to move forward on my fundraising right now came from a VC that I trust and know that was introduced to me by another friend in L.A. who's working with us in L.A., right? So like that's the level to which I really feel like things are unfolding effortlessly there. Um, And the right investors are there for me because they have the same value system as what we're building this application out for. And I think in terms of the brands, that has been a no-brainer. Like LA, like not just LA, but California in general, highly conscientious, a highly woke group. You know, they like it's not it's not um, a hard sell to talk to people about the obvious things that need to get addressed yesterday. But to do that in in a tertiary market space or a tier two market space is much harder. And I should know because I've been in Montana trying to like reach people who speak a very different language. It's easy to assume that everybody around you is like you. Uh, hasn't been the case when I left New York and came to Montana. I met a lot of incredible people. And yes, they think very differently from me. I have every bit of respect for them, irrespective, because I think, you know, it's it's a healthy thing to have different of opinions but you know there are people here that i know that are in my friend circle who don't recycle at all because they don't think it matters i think people who are in very insular bubbles like being in bozeman montana has been a huge like snow globe um, beautiful picturesque one but people don't really care what happens outside of it 
you know, being in LA is like a complete 360 contrast to having done this, you know, because the last two years of being in this bubble has really shown me sort of where we fall short when we lose sight of the larger picture. And I think when I'm in LA and California, it's like almost you're intrinsically connected to a much larger context because everyone is having those critical conversations every day. I can wake up for breakfast and have a meaningful dialogue about something that is happening halfway across the world because those things matter. And we can talk about that in a real way. A lot gets swept under the carpet in other markets. And I think we take that for granted when we are in a main city like New York or LA. And I love vegetation. And you guys have that dancing cactus everywhere, which totally seduces me. I love the ocean. I'm a huge ocean girl. Love like paddle surfing, diving, being in the water. So I think like there's just a lot that LA has to offer, you know, even the restaurants, the food, just everything. There's so much there that I love. I can't even put my finger on it yet. This is Barb, creator and host of Creators Campfire, a video podcast based in the UK, where I interview content creators and talk about their journeys and experiences. I work for a YouTuber called Ali Abdal, and he has a productivity, I guess you could call it, um, or at least he started with a productivity YouTube channel. Uh, he has now over 3 million subscribers, and I was a big fan. Um, like, I'd watch all his stuff, um, and yeah, he was just like, oh my god, you're you're really, really good. And I guess he's kind of diversified now, but that's the world I, I kind of was like, that would be cool to get in. So his his channel is his main thing, but again, during the pandemic, he... So he was a doctor, basically he was a doctor, and he was, his kind of videos were about him uh, being a doctor started off when he was in medical school and then kind of as he kind of navigated the world of, of medicine and, and working in the NHS. And he, <laughs> during the summer of 2020, was going to take a year-long sabbatical and go traveling. And obviously, as we know, no one was traveling anywhere <laughs> in the summer of 2020. Uh, so he decided basically, um, and his uh, PTYA origin story is better, is way better than any of my stories, but yes, part-time YouTuber Academy. Sorry. Yes. Uh, I should not use acronyms. Okay. So yeah. So basically the P I, I will now use acronyms. Uh, PTYA was born and he was like, okay, I'm going to set up a course to teach other people how to become YouTubers. So within his business, he then kind of had another element. So he was diversifying his business. So he has main YouTube channel and the part-time YouTuber Academy, which is where I work. So I now head up the operations for PTYA, having been a student for the first two cohorts, which is what makes it even more incredible to me. What is your, you know, favorite thing about doing operations for a YouTuber, for this particular YouTube Academy? Is it some of the success stories you've had from the students? Is it experimenting and being creative for you? What is your driver? What energizes you every day to show up and, and be really excited about what you do? Yeah, kind of all the above, uh, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I am a, I'm a nerd at heart. I love spreadsheets. I love organizing stuff. I love planning stuff. And like... There was no way I was ever going to work for a YouTuber being a writer or a editor or anything like that. That that wasn't my kind of forte. So being able to still work in the YouTube world and to still work for someone I have so much respect for um, is is amazing in itself. Like I've I found a, a little niche where I can still be the little organizing person um, and still have a hand in the world of YouTube, which is insane. But yes, the the kind of 
job satisfaction or the, the pride you get when you see students coming in cohort after cohort and absolutely loving the course. And I'm not doing a sales pitch or anything. Like I've been there myself as a student. You just like, it's just, it just feels amazing to know you've made a difference when they come out and say, oh my God, this is life-changing or, oh my God, I've, I've done this or anything like that. It just feels amazing. Or even when they're just like, thank you so much. You put on an incredible course. It might not have changed their life, but they've just really enjoyed, you know, the five, six weeks that they spent with us. That's so, that's so wholesome and such a nice vibe. And then like, you're just making friends. I've got so many friends because of it. Um, that we still keep in touch with now. It's just, it's just so nice. It's just a wholesome community and vibe. Hi, this is Elizabeth Dell, founder of Amorous. We are the relationship intimacy app for couples. We are based in Los Angeles. I am the CEO and the founder. I have a two co-founders who are a brother-sister team. Val is my CTO and lead engineer, and his sister Anna is our product designer. Uh, so Val really leads our dev. I would say I am the product manager, and I'm really the sort of lead on what we're introducing in features, but Val does is, is core on all of the actual coding in the building, and then we have a dev team that we can call up that's international. And you know, then I also, uh, I wear all of the other hats that you have to do as a founder. So I'm the primary on the fundraising and I wear a marketing hat a lot of the time and I wear publicity hats and I wear customer acquisition hats and I wear, you know, everything, everything else under the sun. And where did you meet your co-founders? Honestly, a very traditional, like online founders meetup. So when I first had the idea, those for, work? <laughs> yeah, those actually can work. So um, when I first had the idea for Amaris, I had no idea what to do. I had one friend who was in something called FinTech that I didn't, you know, was something that I even said with air quotes around it. I had no idea what that meant, but I knew it was something startup techie. And so I reached out to him and I said, okay, I have this idea. What should I do first? He said, well, there's these things called no code. You can try building whatever it is you're going to try and build in no code and just run an experiment and see if it like is a thing you want to build once you've tried. And so I said, sure. And I signed up for a boot camp for Bubble, which is one of the no code programs. And I started trying to build Amorous as a prototype in Bubble. And that was three or four months of just existentially hard work. I can only relate it to like to, to, to being a two-year-old and you look around the world and you're like, everybody is doing this walking thing. Literally everybody. I see them all doing it or maybe a one-year-old. I, I It doesn't look hard to them. They all do it without thinking. I, I know exactly what it is that my legs need to do and yet I cannot make this work and why can I not make this work and oh my God, I don't even know how to think about this to make it work. Uh, it was, you know, because even without no code is, may not have, you may not have to write in a specific coding language, but you have to think like an engineer. You have to understand data flows. And it was so hard. Uh, but while I was doing this, I was posting everywhere. I was, you know, taking meetings on Lunch Club and I was on Co-Founders Lab and Startup School and matching programs. And, you know, I'm trying to build an intimacy app. I'm looking for someone to help me. Please, you know, who should I get in touch with? And I probably took 
a dozen or 15, 20 meetings out of that with everything from, you know, other founders who had suggestions for me to people who, you know, someone who was in Indonesia and said, you know, we have an engineering house and we're going to have 30% of your equity and we'll build your app or, you know, a studio in LA that was like, uh, we can do that for a quarter of a million dollars, Uh, all kinds of things. And one of the people that I met was this guy Val. And he reached out and he was like, I think Intimacy app would be cool. My sister and I build apps for people. We uh, would love to talk. And what I didn't tell him at the time was like, okay, you had me as siblings. Like, um, I work with my sister. I am one of four kids. Like siblings are everything to me. And I was just like, if you can work with your sister, I'm already thinking so highly of you. And so we met and they seemed really cool. And we started talking about, and one of the things kind of in that the work is never wasted, my bubble prototype was terrible. It was the ugliest thing ever. But in the process of doing it, I got really clear on what I wanted the MVP of Amorous to look like. Like what features did it have to have and what features were extraneous? And so then I could take that to Val and Anna and say, this is what I want to build and why. And we, I hired them initially to build the first version of the app. And that was such a successful process that as we finished it, I said, will you come on as co-founders? And they're still working on the app ever since. So cool. So yeah. cool. It was uh, it was a very lucky story, but it worked out really well. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.